0: Hello and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh.
1: And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. So as you can hear from the background music and the ambient noise, we are here at the Amazon Remars conference in Las Vegas that's going on between June 3rd and June 7th in 2019. And for those of you that are not familiar with the MARS, it stands for Machine Learning, Automation, Robotics, and Space. And of course, being here on the AI Today podcast, we're focusing on the machine learning, the automation, and the robotics part. So actually quite a bit, the MAR part, not as much to the S part. And we're really excited to be joined by two guests from an amazing company that's part of this event, that's partnered with the event, and it's adding a lot of great insight to the content that's here. So we are joined by Jonathan Patrizio, who's the head of technical advisory and Alexa evangelist at Mobiquity, and Randy Sanborn, who is the principal solution architect at Mobiquity. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining
2: us on the AA Today podcast.
3: Well, hey there. hi there. Yeah, we're very happy to be here and excited to be at the first inaugural Remar's event.
2: If, uh, great to be here thanks for your advice and you know the big thing is is we didn't want to be outnumbered by the host so that's why we both have to be here today <laughs>
3: perfect
0: <laughs> yeah welcome Jonathan and Randy thanks for joining us today so we'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about both of your backgrounds and your roles at mobiquity so Jonathan let's start with you
3: we'd love to um, well thank you again I am a pre-sales architect work with many hats actually often on the customer facing side I'm deeply a technologist so I have a background background in computer science, electronic engineering, had my start in writing programming, doing hardware, worked my way up through a software manageability expert, and also worked on disaster recovery. I was a chief architect at Hewlett Packard for disaster recovery for many years. After that, I moved on to LinkedIn. I was a director of enterprise architecture there for a short time. It was chaos there, but it was a time of hypergrowth, pretty pretty fun time. And then shortly after, about five years ago, I joined Mobiquity. I love being at Mobiquity because. In a consulting company, you get to work with all kinds of different companies, with all kinds of products and across different verticals. And so each day of every month, we are talking with different brands, trying to figure out what to do with their problem space and how to solve them where people engage with technology. So that would be potentially in mobile apps, it might be in IoT applications, or actually in voice. And this week, actually, I'm very excited because I've just completed a talk on Alexa It was actually called From Turkeys to Movie Tickets, increase Customer Reach, Self-Service, and Commerce with Amazon Alexa, which actually centered on use cases for two iconic brands, Butterball Turkey and Atom Tickets. So be happy to talk about that in a little bit.
2: Yeah, and hi, this is uh, Randy again. I can say I was just at that lecture and it was a lot of fun. So anybody who didn't miss it should uh, try to catch up on Jonathan. I'm sure we'll post that video at some point soon too. So like I said, my name is Randy Sanborn. I'm a Principal Solution Architect from Obiquity. My history has been a little bit more, I'd say diverse than Jonathan's. I started off with Cambridge Technology Partners a long time ago, and when that company did fairly well, I moved on to something that I was dear to my heart, and it built really video games and entertainment products for a number of years before coming to Mobiquity about seven years ago at this point. Like Jonathan, deeply involved with our customers' concerns and needs, and really involved with new technologies and building out everything from voice to AR and VR type of applications, and also any other type of engagement channel you can think of, whether that be SMS or mobile or web, I have a little piece of ball of that in my background now.
0: Great. Thank you guys for the introductions. And Jonathan, for our listeners that weren't able to come to Remars and listen to your talk, can you give just a two-minute quick Snapchat of what you talked about? Because it sounds very interesting. Turkeys and movies.
3: Right. Yes. Well, those are two very different use cases that we tackled at Mobiquity. Essentially, to boil it down, it's about how can you increase customer engagement and even actually chase commerce through voice assistants. Now, a lot of us have Amazon Echoes in our house. We predominantly use them for, say, finding out the weather or playing some music. But increasingly, people want to use those voice assistants to actually get help on real problems and to solve things much faster than we do traditionally. So it's really just about how do you go into a particular domain and serve those customers, bring them self-help. Connects them with the right people or the right even agents that can produce those answers in a really quick and easy way.
0: Yeah, We hope you're enjoying this podcast and sorry for the brief interruption. Cognolytica not only produces the AI podcast that you're listening to right now, but we also generate research and advisory to help companies make sense of AI and cognitive technologies.
1: We also run the most authoritative vendor-neutral AI and machine learning training and certification on the market. If you're looking to make AI a reality for your organization, our three-day Cognitica training is for you.
0: If you're interested in attending, you can find pricing and registration on our website at Cognolitica.com. We'll also provide a link in the show notes. We've met many of our podcast listeners in our classes, and we hope that we'll see you there as well. Now back to the podcast.
2: Yeah, and just to follow up on that too, I'd say that what we do as a company is really try to find those points of friction for those users make sure that those are eliminated. And what Jonathan was alluding to there was finding the right time of day in order to or the right time in that user's journey in in order to use voice. And that was a big part of the talk today. So it was very interesting.
1: Well, excellent. So I know that at Mobiquity, one of the big things you focus on is designing and building voice applications for companies around healthcare and retail and financial services and a variety of other environments in the consumer and government and business worlds. So, you know, can you tell us a little bit about how the industry, especially around voice applications and conversational applications has changed over the past five years, which may seem like yesterday to us, but actually it's changed quite a bit over the last five years In regards to adoption, overall technology, and other use cases.
3: Well, let me start with this, and I'm sure Randy has something to add as well. I would say, you know, in the last three, four years or so, just as really Alexa has, you know, definitely pushed the envelope of what people have learned to expect. It definitely began with, you know, FAQ-type skills, getting information. It was probably more based on that than actually performing actions and transactions. I would say that now what we're sort of seeing is that people are trying to use voice assistants to really cut through the agony of finding those, you know, drilling through menus, navigation, just to go quickly and to do something much faster than that. That actually boils down often to transactional skills, to skills that do things faster than they normally would. And also I think the other thing is the evolution of voice design, which I think has been tremendously interesting to see how the domain of voice design and making something truly conversational and seamless takes a lot of thought, and it's very different from, say, mobile design or online design. There's a lot more to make a really compelling and useful voice skill, for example. So we're seeing much more maturity in that, and we're also seeing that people expect you know, more and more. So to just do the baseline is probably not going to get you something that's truly compelling.
2: Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add on to that is that I've seen a bunch of the conference you know this week too is kind of the adoption period that you're seeing around all these different technologies. We talk about the telephone taking 50 years to be adopted, and, and even more recently the smartphone, which everybody has, still took about seven years for you know a mass adoption of that. When you talk about voice technology and we are talking about smart speakers, we're really talking about adoption timeframe that's only been a few years in practice here, and we've eclipsed that 50 million user mark that seems to make a device useful in the industry. And the only other thing that I'd say too is, so Jonathan and I both participate a lot with the Alexa team and and the build out of technology behind building skills. And that can be everywhere from actually building the information that different users will need or different developers will need in order to be certified all the way to what should the roadmap of the future look like. And when we're looking at that roadmap of the future, which we can get into a little bit more later, There are a lot of concerns about, okay, around privacy and how do you make this something, a technology that can be adopted by everybody and everyone can start building into it. And that's a really big change I've seen recently.
0: You know, it's interesting that Alexa has only been around for five years. It feels like so much longer and so much has been done in those five years, but it still is fairly new. So... I don't know that companies really have a strategy around this yet. So can you talk to us about how organizations should approach conversational applications? And what are some of the common pitfalls that you've seen in this conversational app development?
3: Yes, I'd be happy to talk about that. We have been in this, I think, three, four years ago. We started up a global Alexa lab to look at this precise problem. I think one of the mistakes that people fall into, and actually it's a repeated mistake from before, we used to call it random acts of mobile, which is where people would say, okay, we used to have online, now let's just do something in mobile, just for the sake of having something on mobile, so it would check a box. Like voice as well and conversational AI, it really has to be the beginning of a journey. You have to really be thinking about, what are you gonna learn? You have to make something and try something and not be scared to fail with it. So I would say that one of the big mistakes is don't overanalyze where you're going to start, but get started. But make sure you instrument, you know, have a roadmap of direction you want to go. Instrument it, look at the analytics. We call it life after launch, which is truly important to make sure that you're collecting the right metrics and you're looking at the right behaviors so that you can influence what the next phase will be. But have that plan that you're going to do, you know, stage one, and then you're going to actually iterate and do stage two and three and so on. I think the other part of this is that what we've seen with voice is that the way you develop these things is much, much more agile than you might, for example, approach, say, a mobile app. You can do it much quicker and you need to be continuously testing what you're building with users. So you want to really check that what you've built works well conversationally. But also meets those expectations, and if you, it's, it's really interesting that if you sit different people in front of your skill that you think is you know done and tried and true and tested, you'll suddenly find eight out of ten people that ask questions that it can't even answer. So you know, don't be scared to try. Also, remember you're probably going to fail. You're going to have to kind of keep in it and stick in it and invest and continue to invest in the future.
2: Yeah, and I'd add one thing onto that also too is. Conversation and voice seems like such an easy way to interface with different devices. It seems so natural that I think everyone feels like they can just jump into it and be successful. But it is a new platform. There are new skills that are needed. And so I think if you can reach out to different people who have done conversation design, who have even done copywriting, that understand how communication works and you know how different people can interact with a device that's not so driven by programmatic logic anymore as straightforward you know, type of IVR system like the old phone systems. Now they're, they're more intent-driven where people can come in and ask in a multitude of different ways to get to the same endpoint in the end, possibly, but be starting from a totally different position. So having a strong voice designer you know, involved with you early is an invaluable tool.
3: Excellent. One other thing I thought I think is important to add, which is that like all these modalities of interaction, be they online, be they mobile, be they voice. When people start to build something new in voice, they might actually only focus on voice, but I think it's very important to break out of the realm of voice and think about all of the modalities in an omni-channel way. It might be that you only need to do a really small portion of what you did in mobile on voice, because truly that part works well in a particular scenario, in a particular place, at a particular time. You needn't necessarily implement all of it again in voice, because to be honest, if you're, for example, in insurance, you're very unlikely to file a claim using voice. You know, you're going to go online. So why would you implement all of the suite of things that are online in voice? It makes no sense. And I think one of the mistakes people do make is that desire to kind of re-implement everything. Just like when... We did things online, and we went to mobile, and only some things worked. You have to find that hero feature that's going to be truly worthwhile to do.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We actually do talk about that insurance use case quite a bit. We actually just had a conversation with that, uh, something about Alexa, because you can imagine that there actually may be one when Alexa's, in, let's say, in the car, and you have an accident, and it's aware of the fact that you've had an accident, then, you know, you could say, Alexa, call my insurance company. And then you could engage that whole process. But it would be a very different kind of process in that situation than it might be
3: on a mobile app or a web app, right? Well, and I think as well, there are definitely times where if you've had an accident, probably a voice assistant is not the thing you should be talking to. At that point, you should probably make sure that you're talking to a human because they need to do more than just gather information. They need to kind of really put you at ease and reassure you. So I think there are times where they come into force and they come into play. And there are situations where it doesn't make much sense. Good point. So
2: go ahead. Yes. And all I was going to add to that too is, but I think that there is a really good point there of voice in the car is a perfect use case, however, though, too. And when you're talking about an accident and then automatically having a voice assistant talk to you, that makes a certain amount of sense in that, In that case, the voice assistant will have more context about you. And that's kind of the evolving part of this voice technology, too, is having that context. And we can go much more in depth of this, too. And once that context is there, I can have a real conversation with a bot, really, because now I can have that voice contact, that emotional contact, that, you know, even eye to eye contact in the future, too, that can evolve with a more conversational AI type of approach.
1: It does bring up an interesting idea of this where we talk about augmented intelligence and sort of like the role here. I know, Kathleen, you we do we talk a lot about how maybe these voices can perform this augmented role where it's maybe not one or the other, but
2: like maybe the bot helping the like an insurance agent do their job better, perhaps. Yes, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, the augmenting the process makes a lot of sense in what you were just saying there too. And we look at that kind of as an omni-channel type of approach as far as bringing voice in. And so I could actually start off my day by talking to possibly an insurance agency to say, I have to start a claim and maybe there's information that I don't have at that point, but I've started it. And then later on when I have access to that information, maybe I'm at my mobile phone or I'm at my web browser and I can continually fill out that form. I think that omni-channel approach where you're keeping contact with that person throughout the day and you're not losing that sense of contact is a really important part of just one piece of voice being there.
1: Excellent. So kind of moving on a little bit, how have you seen the applications of voice and conversational assistance evolve as your customers have pushed over these past few years, especially some of these things where maybe it was, at, uh, you said something about like you know, active mobile, you started to see that same sort of thing on the conversational.
3: Yeah, that's a really interesting question to look at how this is evolving. And of course, Like anything, we ride a technology wave of consumers, right? So you first think of smart speakers being in consumers' homes, but we are beginning to see that, for example, with Alexa for Business, that there are a tremendous number of use cases that will emerge and are beginning to emerge in the enterprise as well. That goes, of course, with beginning with, think how often, like you last were in a conference room and you try to just get everybody joined into that meeting, you also try to get the right slides on the screen. How much time is wasted across all of industry? while 15 minutes go by until everyone's connected. So that common problem, we are actually at the beginnings of a program actually with a hotel chain where we actually were conceiving of the hotel room of the future. And that helped us tie in with some of the Alexa for Business program where we gave feedback on those features to actually really help with contextualized and potentially also private deployments. You know, think NDM about how you would manage skills and fleets of Alexas running in different places with a certain number of skills ascribed to them, there are context and location aware. So, you know, for example, a nice use case is, say that you're in the print room and you're actually suddenly out of supplies. You can actually just then say, you know, I'm out of supplies, and it will know immediately which print room to send the new supplies to. So we're seeing, you know, some of those. I think also the other use cases I think are very interesting are, you know, maybe for the promise of HIPAA-related type uh, applications for patients and, and monitoring.
2: Yeah, I'd say sure. The more and more contexts that are built up around these users makes it more and more important that that information is protected. And we're seeing a lot of use cases, especially around healthcare and pharma, where they can proactively help with the health care of a patient just through voice where they may be in ambulatory at that point. And you know, just having that voice in the room that they can talk to, ask for help, and even document when they're in periods of pain or how their adherence is to the drugs that they're taking, all are really great use cases you know, for voice in that sense. So I think your original question was, okay, how, where's this going in the future? As long as we can get past you know, some of those you know, privacy concerns in a way that's going to make everyone feel safe. There's a lot of end roads, I think, that we can move into as far as helping everybody in their day-to-day life as we know, you know more and more about them. So I, I think we just have to find out where that trade-off is going to finally end up for okay, I'm willing to let you know that I'm in the room so that you can, you can actually speak out to me in a proactive sense versus me always having to start the conversation, for, for instance.
3: I think another interesting area is, and this was actually in my presentation earlier, which I thought is for making turkeys. And, you know, often you have these questions that you might want to ask. And there was, a I suppose, a sentiment that said, humans don't always want to ask other humans, but they want the interaction to feel human. And I think that that's really key, especially with some of these healthcare questions that as we get used to, you know, asking Alexa or asking Google Assistant certain questions, we'll actually be comfortable asking those questions of authorities of the information and hearing those answers so long as those interactions feel human. And I think even more importantly, if you can do that in a way where you feel that your answers are, you know, basically being governed correctly, being looked after, you can delete them when you want them and that You can actually trust where they are, I think that definitely helps.
0: Yeah, you know, you've brought up some great use cases around how people are doing this and where they can do it going forward. But can you talk to us about, you know, voice combined with IoT? is a great use case, and it makes for a perfect partner where you're able to have IoT devices either connected in the house or in business and combine that with voice. So, can you talk to us about some unique use cases that you've been working on combining these two?
2: Yeah, I think we can talk about a few different things here that we've done. We started off, I think, IoT first was in something Jonathan had mentioned before, too, in the hospitality side of things. So, Basically, I think you see more and more of this now too. You can come into some a lot of hotel rooms now and actually ask for the lights to be turned on or for the shades to be opened. You don't have to find out where these controls are around the room. You can just use your voice, just a natural thing. I think those are some of the early cases that we saw too. As we're moving more and more forward too, I think we see a lot of cases around uh healthcare and you know tracking adherence of taking medication. IoT can be built into the top of a pill bottle and we can track those events. And when that person is talking to Alexa, it feels like, okay, they're talking to someone who's helping them within the room and can give them advice about why they might be feeling bad. And those events can actually be in the future tracked and given to their professional healthcare workers too. We've done a lot of work too with things as simple as the Echo gadgets, which are IOT devices too, which, you know, the start of those was basically, you could play games with them. You could buzz in at the right time, or you could play like an adventure game and move around the dungeons while hearing the voice description of those dungeons. But now those have moved forward to where you can actually put those in and start up a routine with those buttons and you can be proactive with those, which opens up a whole lot of opportunities for your skills to be practically started without even a voice possibly, where you can now start a conversation in less of an intrusive way where you're always having to say Alexa at the very beginning.
3: I think there's another interesting one that I saw as well, which is in the healthcare domain where you might have to do something for your child, perhaps it's called a line flushing, where you actually have a device that you're trying to, you know, basically administer medication to your child and having a voice skill where you can actually look through the steps, be taken through those steps. But at any point in time, if you suddenly get really freaked out that you're doing it wrong, You can actually call for help and have that escalated up to somebody that can real in real time, you know, help you with what you're doing. But get those basic instructions, you know, through voice by just using your natural tone about what to do with certain things, paired with multimodal screen devices that can actually show you as well.
2: And the one other one, too, that I'd say, and and there's tons of these types of examples out there, too, but we see a, a ton of them in the enterprise and in places like quick serve restaurants where, You want to track, okay, what are the temperatures of the different ovens and things like that that are baking the content that's going to be served out to your customers and and making sure everything's in good working order. That can be done from a more centralized location because what we find in a lot of these types of places is the manager's not always on the floor. Sometimes they're back in their office doing books and things like that, but they want to be able to keep an eye or an ear on the store at that same time. So getting that information back into the office with voice is a simple way to do that.
1: Well, I know this is definitely a big step in the future. I know people really want to get that experience of talking to the uh, Starship Enterprise, you know, (laughs) and all their experiences. People do like to use natural language. They prefer not to have to navigate menus, type, swipe, click, you know, all that stuff. So this is, I think, a glimpse of the future. So I think we know this would be our question for you. You Now, where do you see, as a final note here, what do you believe the future of is AI in general and its application to corporations and beyond? Maybe we'll start with Jonathan and wrap up with Randy on this one.
3: Yes, in corporations, I mean, certainly promise now of the machine learning and the AI, the use of these vast data lakes that many companies are sitting on, especially the ones who have been around for a long time. They have huge amounts of data, but they're not actually using it yet to create data warehouses, to extract and clean that data, to think about the uses of it. And in fact, I think we're all growing in understanding even how these can be applied and how best to learn from them. But, um, you know, we come to a conference like this and it really kind of inspires you to think about new ways and new things that, you know, you would never even thought of before, you know, besides sort of the robotics, but just where you can apply, you know, predictions and the data that you already have. So... I see a tremendous amount of you know use for that. I think on the customer service side that I was just talking about, it's using that machine learning to really understand the sentiment and intent of customers and tie it to a, you know the changing way that campaigns are running, to see how the customers are satisfied with what they're doing. Just tremendous promise in the future.
2: Yeah, it's not always I get the last word to Jonathan here, <laughs> so I'm gonna take advantage of it. But what Jonathan's saying, I think is exactly right. You know, understanding those users is really going to drive the adoption of Conversation and especially around voice, you know, moving forward too. So, the more knowledge we have about the presence of the person, the sentiment of the person, you can just think about it too. I might say one thing, and what I say might be snarky, but maybe I'm smiling. So, You know, it could be either interpreted in two different ways, but without having that context of what my face is actually saying, it's really hard to have that, you know, that conversation back and forth. So these devices are going to have cameras on them at some time. They're going to have, you know, better emotion detection with inside the voice. They're going to have, you know, better sentiment analysis of what's actually being said so that you can have a full conversation moving forward just as easily as you and I. And when they're at that point, we're at the Star Trek Enterprise. We have real AI and we have real services that can understand us in a real human way.
0: All right. Well, Jonathan and Randy, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today.
3: Thank you. Thank you. you. Really appreciate being here today. We really enjoyed having you, Randy. Thank you.
1: (laughs) It's the fun of being live here at the show. It's always such a great experience. And I I think you guys added a lot of really great insight. Our listeners, uh, we were now like close to 100 episodes, maybe more at this point. You know, really, every time we do this, things just get to develop more and more. So we really enjoyed having both
2: of you on our show. appreciate your time. Thank you, guys.
0: And listeners, as always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes as well as a link to Jonathan's talk at Remar's in case you'd like to check that out. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group.